Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. on SAFM. It's time for Mr. Idol Patel, the National Practice Head, Director of Employment Practice at Blue Chip Law Firm here in Santon and in Cape Town, Cliff Deckerhoff Mayor, as it then was now CDH. Good evening, Patel. How do you do? Well, thank you. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us, and you've probably been listening to the conversation that Mr. Andy Lanomlala has been having with us. And in many respects, it does touch on political issues in the workplace. But let's talk specifically as it pertains to now what's going on in just less than a month from now. Political activity, political party campaigning in the workplace, where do you draw the line? What does the law say on that? So I think just uh, from a context perspective, political campaigning has historically uh, been at the forefront of the South African workplace, pre-94 and post-94. The trade union movements uh, in South Africa, in one form or the other, have propagated a political view. Recently, just to bring this into context before answering your question directly, there are labor court judgments which deal with the need or the likelihood of unions, unrepresented trade unions or unrecognized trade unions, trying to propagate their union activities by wearing T-shirts and whether you could ban them. But let's to answer the question directly from a political point of view in the workplace. Workplaces need to have rules which prohibit or encourage or allow employees to propagate or to market their political parties either through holding of meetings or uh, wearing of T-shirts. The problem that an employer faces is that from an access point of view, if it does not give equal opportunity to all political parties to its workplace, it's going to be seen as favoring a political party over the other. And similarly, radio stations and various other uh, non-aligned political entities face the same challenge. Insofar as similarly, if you allow employees to market their trade, uh, their political party by wearing paraphernalia to the workplace, similar to what happens within a trade union movement, you may find during the run-up to elections that that may heighten uh, violence, antagonism within the workplace. So the answer to your question, given that long answer of mine, is simply this. The employer is within its rights to set rules regarding, one, access to its workplace as to who who it would allow for what purpose, point one, and two is what is its clothing policy when coming to work uh, regarding, well, anything, general clothing policy.
Sure. Without really delving into the idea of policing adults who are sufficiently capacitated to look after their own affairs, if I walked into Cliff Decker Hoffman with a red beret, that's a political statement or just fashion? Well, it depends what. If you're just walking with a red beret and no paraphernalia, no uh, insignia on it, that's just a statement. But our firm would have a particular dress code. Dress code means you need to have a business attire. So is a red beret a fashion statement or does it fit in with what is a corporate law firm? And I don't think it's a corporate law firm wearing a beret. If Um, I were female, would it make any difference? Sorry? If I were a woman, would it make any difference? No, it wouldn't. So your answer would be the same if I were a woman and I wanted to wear a red beret? Provided it meets with our workplace uh, ethos. What if the rules are silent on that? What if it's not readily ascertainable? What is the workplace ethos? What if there's nothing written down and I just go there to express myself, even though it may be seen as political undertones, but on the edifice of it all, this is a red beret that doesn't have. What can an employer under those circumstances do to the employee? And what can the employee say in response? And I think that's vitally important. If the rule is unwritten, you don't have any rules, you would look at the norms and customs of the particular organization, the industry it operates, what is normally accepted. If there was a rule and you breach that rule, you would be immediately be entitled to be disciplined. Whether dismissal would be the appropriate sanction, I think that would be too harsh. I think a warning would be appropriate. Insofar as there are no written rules or there's no oral rules, but what you're relying upon is simply the custom or the unwritten rule, as you call it, of the industry, what you would need to tell the employee who wears a tire which is not aligned to the organization and provided it's not discriminatory and the like, like what's happened in our schools and uh, other work at the Department of Correctional Services about hairstyles and that. But I'm talking specifically about attire where you say that this does not fit in with the ethos of the particular environment. Please desist from dressing in that manner. So that's step one. So now you've established the rule. You've established what the rule is, even though it is orally. The person knows what the terms and conditions are. And despite that, if they disobey those rules, and provided it's not discriminatory, provided the rule is reasonable and not discriminatory, that person can be disciplined. Now, in particular, if you come to a workplace which doesn't have any written rules and you come with political insignia, the rule may be reasonable to prohibit such activity because the potential for antagonism and violence and the accusation against the employer from favoring political parties and not giving equal access to all political parties may land the employer in hot water simply from an employment perspective. 
Look, we probably won't have more time for me to really delve into the issues that I have with that submission. But for a moment, let, let's just have a discussion about it happens in any event in the workplace without me having worn anything that gives away what political affiliation I have by simply the rhetoric that I engage in in the office environment. And that, for, I mean, a conversation at the tea, at the, at the teapot. I loved how the CIC, for instance, spoke, or I love how Musi Maimane spoke. He really does represent me, and I think he's really the person who can turn around the country's um, fortunes. That is as political as you can get. Would that warrant the same disciplinary action as me wearing something without having said anything? I'm speaking this from a freedom of expression perspective. Absolutely not. Why not? Free, Free political engagement at any level. Is, accept, is acceptable on this proviso. In the, inter, in the engagement of political discussion, provided you are not discriminatory, then that is acceptable. Sure. Okay. We agree on that one. But, but however, general political discussions expressing your view as to which political party you support, which political views you espouse to, what you intend voting for, and you correct that freedom of expression. What an employer can't do is to set rules to say that you cannot engage in those sort of discussions. How is that? Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. We're really running out of time. I just need to zone you. How is what you've just said and it being okay different to me wearing a red tie with the emblem of the EFF at the tip, at the triangle? That's a red tie that my director could wear. That's a red tie that anybody who is a client could wear. I just so happen to wear it and it says EFF at the bottom and I say nothing with my mouth pro EFF versus me walking around and having these free discussions as espoused in the constitution in terms of expression. Where's the difference there? Why would my wearing a tie be offensive but everything else I say which is probably louder than that type of I think it's not a matter of being offensive. I think what it is is that you're not ascribing to the you're not ascribing to the rules which are non-discriminatory of an organization. An organization says the following. You will not wear any attire which propagates a particular political party or viewpoint. And it doesn't only have to be a political party, any religious insignia or anything of that sort. Because it does not fit in, one, with the organization's ethos, but more importantly, and I think this is the important thing, your outward appearance viewed to both our suppliers, customers, and your colleagues may impact on the organization. So a necklace with a cross would be offensive in that regard if I was a lady and I wore it in the workplace, based on what you no, said. But, well, I, I think provided that the rule says something to that effect and it's not discriminatory, for sure. These are clearly murky waters. I think so we can agree on so that, you surely. you seen that some organizations have gone so far as to say that irrespective of your religious uh, persuasion, you should dress in a particular manner. So it doesn't allow uh, people to dress in a particular way. And hey, you recall that, that the, my final point, and I know we need to go, the Department of Correctional Services at one stage had an issue regarding 
Rastafarians and their hair. And the court found that asking them to cut their hair, and there wasn't a business justification and from a religious perspective and all of that, they came short. And that's why whatever I'm saying has to be underpinned by the issue of discrimination and the balancing of the two rights. Fair point. I think we can agree that this topic is neither clear nor cut and dry because there are just so many, I wouldn't say contradictions, but there are clearly murky waters that, that still need to be navigated because given what you have said for the most part, one could offend, offend loosely the institutions without ever intending. Sure. That's... Thank you so much. That is Idol Patel, the National Practice Head, Director of Employment Practice at Business Law Firm here in Johannesburg, Cliff Decker Hoffmeyer. Thank you so much, Idol, for your contributions, political party campaigning in the workplace. Where do you draw the line? I don't think there's any line to be drawn over those 15 minutes. Perhaps on another day, we might have to continue that conversation. Before him, we had President of the BMF, Andy Lenomlala. Unfortunately, Iklesha again, Luchaba, we didn't have enough time either with our speakers in the first hour. Nonetheless, 40 minutes to go. It's 21 hours. It's news with Greg Close.